Hi there, this is the Cybersecurity Graybeard, self-described once again. I'm gonna do things a little bit differently this time. I'm gonna actually have a content share up so the YouTubers can see the share and for my podcasters, welcome from around the world. I'm very happy to see folks from Israel and Finland, uh, the Bahamas and Australia among others, so thank you very much. Keep listening, keep sharing, let folks know that I'm out here to help uh, early professionals and uh, students as well as folks transitioning. Uh, into cybersecurity. I recently ran into a couple of military folks at a conference in Texas, and they came up to me and said they were moving over into cybersecurity and uh, that my talks were going to help them. They signed up, and so welcome back, guys. It's uh, it's good to see you here virtually. Um, so with that said, before I get into the topic today, which is going to be all about cybersecurity technologies explained, this is going to be a multi-part series, I think three probably, depending on how uh, much I get into detail. There's about 30 technologies I want to talk about, and in my last conversation, I discussed finding what you love to do and finding a way to make money at it. Well, if you don't know what's out there, how do you know necessarily what you love to do? So the next three episodes probably are going to be talking in detail about these 30 different technologies. Before I get into that, I did want to comment again and uh, try and advertise myself. So this is a YouTube channel and a podcast called Cybersecurity Graybeard. Would really appreciate folks sharing. Uh, on your social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Snapchat, whatever you have, whatever you use, even Twitter, even though I have not said the best things about Twitter on one of my conversations, um, definitely still would love for people to publicize it. You won't find me on Twitter, but you can certainly link to the YouTube or the podcast. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into the guts of this conversation. And basically what you're seeing here on the screen is a um, a graph. What I'm going to talk about is what I've termed the cybersecurity defense maturity model. And, and today, the first part, I'm going to go over the basic or initial scale. Uh, the idea of this model is to graph the capability of a technology with its defensive maturity. Now, granted, there is uh, room for debate on this. Some folks think uh, technology is more mature or more capable than another, uh, and it's fun conversation. For the purpose of this discussion, though, I really just want folks to think about the technology itself. So the first one I'm going to talk about is encryption. Encryption is its a basic security mechanism that everybody should be using. Uh, on the web, we see HTTPS for Hypertext Transport Protocol Secure. It uses either an SSL encryption or a TLS encryption. TLS is a newer generation. Um, encryption is the process of converting data to an un unrecognizable or encrypted form. It's commonly used to protect sensitive information so that only authorized parties can view it. This includes files and storage devices, as well as data transferred over wireless networks in the internet. And yes, I'm reading that, which I don't usually do, because it is a formal definition. It comes from the Tech Terms uh, site, and uh, Christensen is the source for that. So I want to be very clear that this is not all just my opinions, this cybersecurity graybeard's thoughts or opinions. I have facts backing it up. These are definitions. Encryption is turning data into gobbledygook, if you will. And the idea behind that, and so if it is intercepted through either a wireless mechanism, a man-in-the-middle attack, uh, a sniffer, uh, somebody that's physically on the wire that's connected in uh, through a mirror of a port or whatnot, if they do grab the data, we don't want them to be able to understand it. Uh, this is a critical component in particular of HIPAA, the Health 
uh, Information Portability and Accountability Act, uh, I believe that's the acronym, and that is a major uh, regulatory requirement in the healthcare industry in the United States. GDPR in the, in the European Union, they also have their own uh, requirements and regulations for encryption. So fundamentally, if you want to get into a job that is involving encryption, mathematics is critical, understanding cryptography, knowing about the methods and mechanisms, the differentiators, how is AES different than TLS, um, what is 256-bit versus 128-bit. Uh, most people in cybersecurity understand encryption at the high level, and that is that you're taking information and you're turning it into garbage. Uh, the mechanism for that, though, is a profession in and of itself. There are a number of inventions around it, and it's actually a hot field right now because of the uh, uh, quantum computing. And with quantum computing coming out and these systems being able to move at way faster speeds than what we're used to today. There's concerns that when um, quantum computing comes down in price and becomes more ubiquitous in the in the world, it is going to become much more um, e much easier to hack uh, certain uh, technologies or certain encryption mechanisms. So uh, encryption is one technology to get into. Uh, the next one, antivirus and next gen antivirus. Uh, this is standard technology that most people should be aware of. Uh, viruses are out there. They were created not too long after computers came about, and they really blew up in the 90s. Um, people write code sometimes just to see what happens, whether it's a basic worm that replicates itself until it takes the system down or until you have an environment that is uh, infected with something that could encrypt your system or uh, delete files or just bring it to its knees. Um, so uh, th this antivirus software is, is out there, and we pretty much all have it. It's included with Windows. I would assume Mac uh, has their own um, built in as well. If not, you can get uh, the most popular is Symantec, used to be Norton. Uh, back in the 90s, actually, there was a joke, and I don't even know how much of a joke it was, where folks said that the people that created the antivirus software also wrote the viruses to keep themselves in business. If that was once the case, that is certainly no longer the case. It is very obvious that we have nefarious actors out there writing code to destroy systems. So we want to have software that can go in, identify signatures, and help clean up systems, and more importantly, prevent it from becoming infected in the first place. The next one is in line with antivirus, but it has to do with anti-spyware and anti-malware. Antiviruses focus on a specific subset of malicious code, whereas malware, on the other hand, is an umbrella term that uh, stands for a variety of malicious software, including Trojans, spyware, worms, adware, ransomware, and also viruses. So one can argue that a virus is malware. That's true. Spyware is a little different. Uh, and that is from Wendy Zamora uh, in her blog where she discussed what's the difference between antiviruses and anti-malware. So thank you, Wendy, for that very good source and very uh, clear definition. Um, spyware is what it says it is, uh, a keylogger, where when you type, the person on the other end is getting it, you could argue that's spyware, something that's grabbing your personally identifiable information, spyware. It's also malware. The viruses are malware. The worms, Trojans, where there's something called a RAT, remote access tool, where that is a device that is going to go in and uh, enable the nefarious actor, the malevolent individual, uh, to come into your environment at will. They've put a Trojan in. And if you all know the, the story of the Trojans, they had soldiers in. Here's a big with giant wooden horse as a gift, and it goes into the gate, and then all these soldiers come out and take over the castle. And that's the idea behind uh, Trojans on a computer. Here's some free software. It's pretty cool. Go ahead and get install it. And oh, by the way, you've installed this remote access tool, and the malevolent individuals now can get into your system. So these three.
three, um, I, I already mentioned encryption in the types of jobs, um, antivirus, anti-spyware. These are very important technologies for help desk analysts, um, endpoint support folks, people that are dealing with the end users. You need to understand what are symptoms of these infections. How do you remediate the infection? How do you help the end user? Again, these are basic technologies that have been in play for 25 and going on 30 years, if not longer. And as cyber professionals, we deal with these, and I literally deal with these almost on a daily basis. We need to understand what they are, what the signatures are, what a zero-day infection is. Is how do you identify a zero day? How do you remediate it? So these are technologies that if you're interested in endpoints and uh, endpoints meaning a workstation, a laptop, a desktop, a mobile, a tablet, and working with customers, you're working with end users a lot of times with both antivirus and anti-malware. I'll go ahead and cover two more and then uh, we'll break for this, uh, this session, if you will. Spam protection. This deals with phishing attacks, email attacks, and just unwanted messages that are coming through the system. Spam protection is critical in part from a denial of service. Uh, folks don't realize that you actually have a denial of service from a productivity level when you have employees that are going through a junk email. So we have software that's installed on email servers uh, as well as in middleware devices that will intercept traffic, determine if this is a message that should be forwarded to the individual or if it is something that needs to be nipped in the bud. There are billions of emails every day that never even reach the end user because of spam protection. Um, nearly everyone on corporate networks uses email. It's the most critical form of professional communication and, and also personal communication, certainly at the top of the list. Uh, we need to make sure that folks are not getting emails that are going to lead them through a phishing attack to a website or have them download and install a file that's an attachment that will cause problems with the system or again have them in infect themselves with the trojan with the rat with the the key logger the viruses whatever um, so spam protection is usually a technology utilized by the email administrators and other folks dealing with the messaging systems. Um, Azure with Office 365, uh, folks that are working there have very strong tools uh, as well as others, Gmail, they have their own spam protection. So as a cybersecurity professional, if we're working in and or with the messaging uh, folks, we will deal with spam protection. Uh, the one that I'm gonna conclude with is probably the most famous, most popular that everybody talks about and that's the firewall or next-gen firewall. The differences between an NGAV and an NG firewall, it just has to do with the mechanisms and the tools. There's some feature updates. A lot of it has to do with marketing. Um, at, at, at the core, it's still a firewall. Firewall gets its term, I believe, from the automobile where there's actually a, a barrier, a physical barrier between the engine and the passenger compartment to prevent fire. So if the engine catches on fire, there's a wall there that's going to prevent it coming into the passenger section. And we do the same thing in, in, in a networking environment. Uh, we talk about um, east-west traffic, north-south traffic, lateral movement, and firewalls play a critical role in these uh, demarcations. So the east-west traffic is lateral movement. It's inside your environment. Some organizations have firewalls internally. Normally, you're going to have a firewall externally that's going to protect you from the um, unauthorized or uncontrolled environments. Um, so that's the north-south. Going in and out of your environments north-south and going across east-west is lateral movement. And the firewalls are going to really determine what that traffic is. At the core, a firewall basically is a device that looks at certain pieces of information. What is the source IP? What is the destination IP? What is the source port? What is the destination port? And what is the protocol? Protocol meaning HTTP for web traffic. 
SSL for um, uh, the secure aspect of it, whether it is SMTP, which is going to be your email traffic, simple messaging transport protocol, FTP, file transport protocol. For those that are familiar with the OSI model, the protocol is at times the application like FTP or Telnet, and that's at layer seven. Um, ports are going to be, and sometimes protocols are going to be at the layers three and four. So when we're talking about a firewall, it's looking at layers three, four, and seven mostly. NG firewalls and some that are more advanced, doing packet inspection, looking in the whole payload. The header of the packet is what has the five tuple that I just mentioned, the source, destination, port, IP, and protocol. Uh, so firewalls, network engineers are heavy into this. They're complicated devices. You need to understand who is authorized into the environment, where are they allowed to go, what are they allowed to send, and a firewall is your first main line of defense. Somebody's trying to send SMTP to a non-email server, your firewall should deny it, the packets are dropped, it never gets through. Uh, so the, this is a, a fun technology in my, my opinion. I worked with it very early in my career when I worked at a military base. Very powerful tools and the people that run the firewalls must be trusted. They must have the authority and at times they go through background checks. Early in my career, um, we actually blocked the AOL Instant Messenger and some individuals that ran the firewall at this organization didn't like it. So they literally went in and put a rule into the firewall that allowed them to access AOL IM, even though nobody else at this organization could. Total violation of trust. It was sadly not a surprise. And that is why we need to, you know, who watches the watchers? We need to make sure that the individuals that are taking care of our environment are also watched. And that is why you have segregation of duties, which will be talked about in, in future episodes. Anyway, for now, I will uh, quit rambling and just summarize with encryption, antivirus, spyware, malware, spam protection, and firewall. These are the beginning technologies in the cybersecurity realm. And in the next conversation, I will go over five more, maybe a little bit more. There are 30, so this could last a while. But I find it very important because folks need to find out what they love to do find a way to make money at it. And if you're not sure what's out there, how do you know what you love to do? And so these conversations and discussions are to help with that. Have a wonderful day and I look forward to seeing you next time.